Hi, if you weren't able to be at worship on uh, May 5th, I just wanted to take some time to go over a couple of things that might be helpful for you. I'm not going to redo my sermon. I think that's kind of uh, pointless. I, I just want to make sure that you guys uh, understand what's going on in Revelation. So I'm going to go over a couple of things that might be helpful for uh, this as if you're trying to study the book. First off, uh, the book comes from possibility of uh, around 90 A.D., um, most likely John wrote the book of Revelation. They believe it could be the same person that wrote the gospel of John, uh, just because this, the writings are similar. Uh, during the same time, there's uh, an emperor uh, or a Roman uh, emperor uh, that's on the throne called Domitian. Uh, Nero had just finished uh, his reign in power, and uh, Domitian had taken over. Uh, both of these emperors were uh, horrible people. Uh, they hated Christians. Uh, they persecuted Christians, but it wasn't just Christians. They just believed that anyone who would, had an opportunity to, to bring about a rebellion uh, would be people who they would put down. Um, there's a lot of things going around this region at the time historically. Um, a couple of things that, uh, that Nero and Domitian did uh, in persecution of Christian. Uh, there's a couple of things that you, a couple of stories you can look up if you'd like. Um, more information about that, of course, just Google search it and you can find it. Um, but they would uh, throw Christians um, into the arena with uh, lions or uh, bears or Roman centurions, whoever it might be. Um, most of the time it was animals that would rip them apart uh, as just a form of, t of entertainment and torture. Uh, folks would be um, crucified, uh, uh, John, uh, or not John, but Peter was crucified upside down. Uh, De Niro uh, was known to have uh, cut the heads off Christians and lit the streets uh, on fire, uh, lit the streets at night with the heads of Christians. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going on during this time, and uh, the reason it's important is to know that if you were to write anything that would recite a, or bring about re rebellion. Um, or a possibility be, be written against the emperor or against the Roman government, uh, you would be put down. Uh, Revelation is written during this time. Uh, if you notice, I've said Revelation. Uh, it's not plural. It is John's Revelation or the Apocalypse of John. Uh, and it's written for the people of God who are being persecuted during this time. Uh, John writes on several occasions uh, that this is for now, this is for soon, these things are happening soon, that God is coming soon. It's not, about, it's not written for 2,000 years from the time that John wrote. It would be, impor it would be important uh, to know that God is coming to help them soon. Uh, so John very much believes that Jesus is coming back very soon. The beginning of Revelation, uh, we have this letter that's written, uh, and it's a vision that takes place as John is in worship. And that's another important thing to remember. It's a vision. He's interpreting what he is seeing. He's interpreting what he is hearing. It's a heavenly language. And so it is, a, it is a, something that um, as we are hearing, as he is hearing and he is sharing with us, that we have to interpret what he is interpreting, what the angel is given from God. And so um, as we begin, we'll take a look at what uh, this prologue of Revelation is talking about. So it begins with just a little bit of information for us. It says, Revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his servants what must soon take place. 
He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So a couple of things that um, I want to begin is that uh, the book of Revelation has numbers in it that mean things, and they come in, and sometimes things are written in these numbers uh, just to impact us and, and show points. Uh, first, the, the uh, first things that we notice in verse one uh, is that it, things that as it talks about where this comes from is that it says it comes from Jesus Christ is revealed the knowledge of God revealed in Jesus Christ who is the Word of God the Word made flesh uh, God made made into flesh and dwelt among us uh, it is revealed to His servants and John refers to himself as a servant on many occasions and so it's the people of God that this is written to this is not written to people that do not know Jesus it is written to people who are following Christ who are actually following Jesus to sometimes their very deaths uh, it is also written um, as it shares that what must take place soon. And so this is something that he believes is to soon take place. And again, I emphasize that this is not written for us to try to figure out the future and try to figure out when Jesus um, is coming back. Uh, that is not what our goal is when we read Revelation. God is, it is to actually to share in how God comes to the aid of his people and how God and Jesus Christ will win ultimately in the end. John did not write this letter as an intention to share revelation uh, for us, but as an intention to share what God is doing then and now. So it goes on to say, uh, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. This is verse 3. And um, just to kind of share, I'm reading from the NIV. Uh, so blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of his prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Because the time is near. So first off, I've got to share a couple of things. Um, there are some, such things as uh, prophecy, and then there are such things as apocalypse. John shares this as a prophecy. Simply put, this is a book that shares what God is going to do. That is all the prophecy does. It shares how God is acting in the world then, is acting in the world now. The book of Revelation does just this. It shares that God is going to act, and God is going to act soon. And an apocalypse actually shares the end of days. There is apocalypse that um, that we hear about that Jesus even shares, that there will be wars and rumors of wars, and that Jesus says that even in this, I do not know when I am coming back. So we do understand that there is this a portion of this that is also an apocalypse, that, that we are hearing about wars and rumors of wars. So why do faithful sermons read and study the book? Well, it shares even in this that there is a triple blessing. Again, there's the first, first kind of real number that we see in this writing, that there's a triple blessing for those who read uh, the book and those who study the book. So there's a blessing for those who hear and a blessing to those who read and a blessing to those who take to heart what is written in the book. So even if you just read it, and maybe you don't understand it, so you're not able to take it to heart, at least you will get a blessing in itself of reading and hearing the words. So then John gets into this greeting and doxology that we hear in the book of Revelation. So we, we come to this, and, it, and John says, uh, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, he, he addresses himself, he says, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne. 
So here are two important numbers that you would begin to show up throughout the throughout Revelation. First is three. Uh, refers to the Trinity. This is the first time we're going to see the first full. The, there's a few times in the Bible that we actually see the full pr- presence of God's Trinity. One is at Jesus's baptism, where we see that Jesus is being baptized. We see the Spirit of God descending upon him as a dove, the Holy Spirit, and we see God. We hear God actually sharing with him that this is my Son to whom I'm well pleased. Another place is here where it says, "Who is, who was, and who is to come." This this Trinity. Um, understanding of God it shows up here, but this is also connected to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, where Moses is confronted by God at this burning bush, uh, we hear these words, these same words that come to them, and it's translated as Yahweh. You won't hear me say that. You don't hear me say this word too often uh, in sermons because I think it's a very respected name for God in the Old Testament. Uh, so you won't hear me say it too often. So in in your English translations, you usually hear or see this as the Lord, and Lord is written in a uh, kind of a large print. Um, so in this particular point, he says, who is, who was, and is to come. Uh, see, in the Old Testament, when this name Yahweh actually means who is, who was, and is to come, it is saying, I am the God who was, I am the God who is, and I'm a God who ever will be and who, who will always be. But a better way to translate this is actually, in the Greek, it shares something very specific. It says, I, I, I am who I will, I'm sorry, who I, who was, who is, and instead of who is to come, it says who will act. And so um, John is very specific here in that it's not just about who is to come, it's saying that the God who is in action, who is working in and through us, who is working around us in his kingdom. So then we also have this other kind of interesting change where we hear seven spirits from the, in the front of the, God, the throne of God. Well, see, in the old, in the New Testament, we hear um, or actually these uh, this apocalyptic literature will be full of numbers, and of course, I've shared that before. But the number seven in the Jewish tradition is is a number that means wholeness, completeness, or perfection. Uh, number three, as we've talked about before, does reference the Trinity. It also references spiritual realm of God, a connection to the Spirit of God, and and this number seven actually represents uh, the perfection of God. And actually, if you kind of look at it in context, where it says God who is, who was, and is to come, or is going to act, then it means that this Holy Spirit. The perfect spirit of God, the one who is in action around God, the one who is in action in God's kingdom, this is the one that is before the throne of God. And it even shares that this throne of God is not just a heavenly realm at this point, that the throne of God extends into our world because this Holy Spirit, this who is, who is from God himself, the Holy Spirit is in action around us. So it then goes on to share a couple of other things. Um, it says that uh, in this, it says, and from the Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler from the kings of the earth. Again, there's a three-part understanding of Jesus. He is a faithful witness. 
He's a faithful witness because he is, it is it's basically just a confirmation of what Paul wrote in his writings, that Jesus was the faithful witness. He never, he never wavered. He always stayed true to his witness of who God was because he was God. He was man, uh, God made into flesh, uh, God, the God-man among us. And so the, he was also the first, firstborn from the dead. In other words, he was the first martyr. I mean, this word, these words are, are written a little bit different than what you, we may understand. Uh, but this is referring to Jesus being the first martyr. In other words, the first one who was killed for, uh, his, for the gospel. And then finally, he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. In, in other words, Jesus is who is really in control. So let's go back to the, uh, let's go back into this language again. So why do we write in apocalyptic literature, which is what this type of language is? It's because if someone's to pick this up, a Roman soldier say, and it's written that Jesus is in control straight out, <laughs> and he was to understand that, the person that was carrying this letter would be put to death and the letter would never make it to a church. It would never make it to the people of God to whom it was written because this person would be considered um, considered a, almost a traitor or a tr person for, or, or, and brought up on charges for treason and killed right away. So this is, this is important to understand that Jesus is in control, not the Roman Empire, not the Roman soldiers, not the Romans who seem to be in control. And then it goes on to say, again, this is three parts to this. It says, to him who loves and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So it says, to him who loves us. So first off, God loves us before we could ever love God. He loves us unconditionally. He loved us first before we ever knew him. He loved us even in our mother's womb. This is provenient grace that John Wesley talks about in many of his writings. This is the provenient grace that called us before we even knew him. He calls us to him. Jesus freed us from our sins. This is where God comes in. He frees us by the blood on the cross. He frees us by his death from sins that were in our life. And not just in his death, but in resurrection, he frees us to live life in the fullness that he wants us to live it and the intention that he wants us to live it. And then finally, he has made us a kingdom of priests. So after we have been, we've, we've found the love of God who has loved us before we even knew him, and we have been freed from our sins because God has justified us by his justifying grace, we also see the sanctifying grace that is in Jesus Christ. After we have come to know Christ, we see that Jesus has made us a kingdom of priests. And see, it's important to understand we are a kingdom of priests and not a political kingdom. Our movement is not found in votes. Our movement is not found in the leaders that might be in charge of the country. We are found in the priesthood of all believers, the priests that, that God has called us to be, the one we were called, we were sent each one of us who are disciples of Christ, we, we don't have a choice. When we are disciples, we are sent. You hear that? We are sent when we are disciples of Christ. And so we are not a political kingdom, but we are sent into the world to share that God loves the world, that God loves all people, that God wants them to know that he is there for forgiveness, he is there for grace, he is there for peace, and that he can be found in Jesus Christ, who loves us, has freed us, 
and has made us whole again. And then it come, goes to say at the end, it says, Look, he is coming on the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So first off, every eye will see him. Again, this is a three-part type thing. Every eye will see him. There is a big thing that I have an issue with, with um, current teachings on uh, Revelation. A lot of times, uh, there are people that will say, or at least I know in fictional writings, um, they will share that, you know, that there are people that won't understand what's going on. Well, here is against, is basically teaching against that. All eyes will see him. It doesn't just mean see. All eyes will see and know that it is him. They will see and know that it is Jesus Christ. There is no doubt who what's going on when Jesus comes back. And then it says, every eye will see him, and even those who are pierced by him, those that have hurt him, those that have pierced him, those that have made him a martyr will see him and know who he was. And this is those that have persecuted right away, but even those, as Paul writes in the scriptures, even those who are sinners who have who have uh, caused him to be crucified over because when you sin, you crucify him again on the cross because he died for you, he died for me. Even those will see him and know him. Every eye will see him. And it says, all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. While we'll be mourning, we will be mourning because we will see and we will know what's going on. This is where judgment begins. Not all people will be saved. And not all people will know who Jesus is. And this is where John gets to understanding that when God's judgment comes... There will be mourning. There will be joy. Oh, yes, there will be joy, but there will be mourning. So in the end, we have this last blessing because Jesus culminates, or, or actually John culminates this vision, these first eight verses. He culminates it with these last words. I am the Alpha, the Omega, that says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty and this is like a final blessing. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus was at the beginning with God, and he is also the end. He is the, the first and the last. This final blessing is like a closing prayer and a reaffirmation of God's work in Jesus Christ. The God of us all is going to act, so shall be, so shall it be, because he is the Lord of all things in all times, and in all places. This is the God who is, who was, and is to come. So in the coming weeks of Revelation, I invite you to join us at New Song and experience what it's like to follow through this book and learn more about a God who is with us in all times and all places and what it's like to suffer, but also to suffer alongside of other Christians. And, and also for us to read more into what God has doing, what, what God is doing in our lives now, and how we can learn to be better followers and better disciples of Christ, because Christ is coming. At some point, He will return, and He will call His children home. And even if he doesn't, before we are in our last breath, we also want to hear those words at some point in our life that, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been 
a follower of mine. So I pray that you follow Christ this week, that you love him, and that you love others. Share God's love and know no stranger. Amen.